it's Gmail. That's how it works. That's how it does spam stuff, and that's how it gives you ads. It's not a person going, oh, hey, this guy just... This guy's having a hard time with his erection. We better serve him an ad uh, that that is for his e- like. It's not. It's an algorithm. Is that wiretapping? I'm sorry. That was the first. Like I was like, think of spam that doesn't have to do with your. Please. Guys, this Wednesday, October 2nd, 2013, this is episode 72 of Yats. Every week, Wednesday evening, right here, yet another techshow.com. Check it out. I'm Matt Lee. Joining me this evening, we got Ant Pruitt. What's up, Ant? Mr. Lee, what's going on? Also, we got Chris Miller in the house. What's up, Chris? Good evening and hola. Got the kitchen sink in the house. We got Larry Press in the house. What's up, Larry? Howdy, guys. Good to see you. Got the living room in the house. We got Mike Rothman in the house. What's up, Mike? Hey, so glad to be back here. Uh, I want this to be the special federal government shutdown episode. Oh. <laughs> Not so good. <laughs> Not so good. Are any of you... I'm trying. We, we do a show with a kid that works for the government, and he was actually at work, and I thought it kind of suspect that he was still working while while everything else was shut down. He's like, oh, I'm essential. I'm, I'm essential personnel. I get to work anyway. I was like, all right. Pretty Woo. sure you're BSing, but that's fine. Oh, that, oh shit. That, right? Essential. <laughs> okay. No, that's fine. So... Uh, yet another techshow.com slash live. You guys can watch us and apparently ask us questions now thanks to some new uh, Google Hangout functionality. Uh, I guess we should just start right there. Are you guys enjoying the the continuing Google redesign? Kind of cleaning up everything, taking away maybe menus that you've always used for like your whole life and now you don't know what to do because it's gone? I mean, anything like that? I'm a little I- bit on the meh side. Yeah, I I'm looking at it as a voyage of discovery. What new what new little tweak is Google going to throw at me today to sort of disrupt my workflow? <laughs> Disruption. I only do how to do a few of the things anyhow, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not in trouble. But you know, I'll tell you, they did something that pissed me off. They uh they merged uh, Blogger or they brought Blogger and Google Plus closely together. And they decided that what we really wanted the default to be was every time we posted something on a blog, it got hyped on Google+. And that just felt just like something Facebook would do. And you could turn it off, but you had to click around. First, you had to discover that it was happening. Then you had to click around and find out how to turn it off. That's just the wrong default to change the behavior that way. Larry, let me ask you: You wouldn't yeah. want your blogger stuff going to G Plus, where there's some eyeballs? Yeah, like I use blogs. Uh, I have two blogs that I use essentially as databases, uh, just you know, text databases. I don't want those posts going on. Is that perhaps a misuse of a blog? Should you be using like a personal Excel spreadsheet or something for that, or what? Access. Access. No, 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 not that kind of database. It's, they're text. There are databases with tech, you know, uh, complex text objects in them. I use them for assignments and teaching models. And um, I don't want every time I invent a new assignment, I don't want that going on plus page. And the default should be no, it doesn't. If you this is a new feature, if you want to turn it on, okay. But the behavior just changed. I know. I looked at my profile one day. And, Shit, there's all these posts that I hadn't made. Oh, where'd they come from? Doesn't it feel like uh, Google is de-emphasizing Blogger that, you know, more and more Google is encouraging, is, is pushing the community in the direction of Google Plus and, you know, Blogger and, of course, the extreme example was Google Reader. 
uh, they they get deprecated. Wow, if they zap Blogger, I'm toast. I to me, my blog posts are way different than the stuff on Google Plus. They're they're more to be uh, kept around for a long time. Uh, they're longer. I revise them. I you know they continue to grow. Google Plus is more like sort of Twitter on steroids for me. It's some you know you tweet something out and then it disappears. Kind of a more disposable. Then you're saying it's not like something that's going to be archived and then yeah. able to be referenced. I think a, a blogger is archival posts and Google Plus is it's like I said, big fat dudes. So why don't you just set up a quick WordPress, like a clean WordPress install, and just start using that instead? Why? Because then you would control it, not Google. I don't know. <laughs> why? If that's all you're using it for is for archiving this text and objects and stuff, like WordPress would do the same thing, and then you'd have full control over it. Larry, the, the, does your use of a Blogger depend on uh, students or others making leaving comments? Uh, to some extent, not the students, but yeah, the, the posts I do on, I have one blog, it's like kind of current events relative to my class, and, but a lot of people, it gets a lot of hits besides students, yeah, people leave comments, yeah. and I do like the fact that I can get, if somebody makes a comment on Google+, Plus, it can be registered there, I, I like the, that part of the integration, the thing just, um, this thing that they just sprung a couple of days ago that all of a sudden, without telling me, I was doing all these Google Plus posts. Uh, it just felt like the kind of crap Facebook would, you know, sort of do, like uh, flood all your friends with everything <laughs> you do. I don't even mind them doing it, but it should be under my control. Yeah, that is kind of a weird thing. I, you're probably a special use case. I'm sure most people that use that service aren't using it in that way. And they were yeah. like, "Oh, we'll help you know your stuff get out there." But uh, yeah, I don't know. That that seems weird. I don't really use bloggers, I mean, I, so I, I don't... don't have any problem with being able to. If I do a post that I want to share, sure, I want to share it. But let me be the one that decides that. Don't do it by default. That's the only. That's my bitch of the week. Fair enough. My my one uh, bitch is just that that top bar is gone, and that was like go to when I'd open up my Chrome. I would open up Gmail, and from Gmail, I'd get to Drive or whatever else I was using. And now you have to click the app thing, and then you can select whatever app you're using, which seems like an extra step, but, you know, we'll get used to it. It's just you have people using it in one way for so many years, for so long, it becomes muscle memory, and then it's hard to, like, force yourself to relearn these other... I mean, it's possible. It's obviously quite possible, but it's just a pain, you know, to have to... Like, I have to think harder now. like much, but it really is... Well, it's just you get, it's something you use multiple times a day, right? You get in the habit of, like, when, I know when yes is on the left and no is on the right, and in Android, when they switch the two, the cancel and yes, in, I forget what version, but in one version, they switch them, and I kept hitting cancel when I meant to hit okay. Like, it just gets ingrained in your brain like that. That's, That's lousy. Yeah. And I mean, you relearn it after so many times of hitting, you know, the wrong button, and I'm, we'll all relearn this, obviously, and. You see this whenever any platform makes a major change. There's always pushback. But it's just weird when you move UI elements that have been in one area for so long, and now they're totally not. It's just odd. But the, I'm really interested to see where Google is taking this Chrome on the desktop functionality that is now starting to appear at least on Windows installations, where you've got access to Chrome and Chrome apps from a Windows desktop without use of a browser. Are you guys seeing that? What examples do you have, Mike? Yeah, you have to open Chrome to get to the Chrome apps. Or are you saying you have shortcuts to, like, Gmail or Play Music or... Well, you know, it's not even shortcuts. It's you... And unfortunately, I'm not seeing it on on the desktop I'm running at the moment. So maybe I'm... uh, Hallucinating this thing, but but you know that Chrome runs a background application uh, that shows up in the notifications window, and uh, that background application is starting to show access to 
Chrome apps. Oh, I so, see. In your task, if you right-click on the little Chrome icon that's always there, even if you close Chrome, you can right-click yeah. on it and say, you know, that's where you have the option to let Chrome run in the background, and then there's apps in there. I never noticed yeah. that. Exactly. I only have one. I have Feedly in there, even though I use other apps. I don't know why it's only showing me Feedly, but that's now, interesting. I think that's a recent, uh, <clears throat> what do you call it? I think that's a, a recent apps used function. But the, I'm really mystified about this because there, there was functionality in this on this desktop a couple of days ago that's not here now where you could actually open an entire, uh, it looks like Chrome window with all of the Chrome apps that you have configured for your Chrome, Chrome app screen. But, it was but there's no browser window open. Huh. So it's opening like this full screen type of situation where then you yeah, have your apps. Yeah, That's yeah. interesting. It's actually kind of Windows. I also noticed on Android, Gmail updated, and we're again seeing a move towards these cards. Uh, all of the Gmail conversations, if you look through a message, they're in card form now, which is interesting. I mean, obviously, moving towards glass or uh, even watches, anything that you can fit a card, basically, you know, in, into as far as the interface goes. Uh, you guys, are, any of you guys get that update and use it and like it, hate it, amp? I'm really not too affected by it. It just sort of seems like a point uh, update to it, not necessarily a, a full version update. Uh, yeah, it still has those funky letters that Chris Miller complained about the last go-round. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I I don't know. It doesn't bother me. But it, it it doesn't really bother me because it doesn't seem like too much of a difference from that last update. Chris will complain about anything. Yeah, Chris, what do you think? You like the cards? I, I think that uh, 3M just took a major stock in Google, and they want their uh, soon it'll be posted in sticky notes that we'll have inside of our Google Mail. I don't. The cards don't bother me. Looking at it, they really don't. Uh, I don't care what the UI is as long as it's consistent across everything that I'm doing. Uh, piecemealing it makes it really tough, if that makes sense, meaning it just pops up here and there. You're seeing different UIs inside of Hangouts, inside of Google+, inside of Gmail. Get the groups working together and give me one UI at once and make it a big push release. Make Google look like a single company instead of 15 different sub-products, and it would make more sense. There, I'm done. You don't think that's on the way, though? That's not my point. Do the push at one time as a release, not... Oh, now it's in Gmail. Oh, now I don't think that oh. scales, though, Chris. You have to test yeah. it out in smaller beds like that. You uh, can't just push... Different. That's production, but that's well. production. You just said it's a point release through Google Play. Chrome is an update through Chrome. It's an up, meaning it's a gold push. You're not running beta code. You're running gold code. So it's a major UI change like Apple does. You get the same iOS on everything at once. Why am I not seeing the same thing from okay. a company like that? That's what I'm saying. Makes sense, and we are starting to see that, right? We got in in uh, Google Docs now. Our drive kind of looks like that. If you have an actual document open up in the upper left, you have that little icon that will open Google Drive. And well, Google Maps took the cards thing just a also, while ago too. Remember yep, that? Yep. So, but I'm yep. seeing so cards are here, cards are there, card. We got letters. Why couldn't they just say, "Hey, we're going to do that card thing at once"? And guess what? A big UI refresh. Everyone can talk about all our products as one UI look and feel. Eh, nah, never mind. Just but let them piece does cards work on the desktop, though? That almost is a mobile thing. It doesn't, like, I don't want to see the it cards on my... The Google Chrome Google Plus search. No, and Google Plus, technically. That's yeah. almost a, a card. Yeah, those are kind of cards, screen. aren't they? When they start doing the auto-hashtagging and it would flip around. Yeah, that's, that's true. And, and it's the, you're thinking, see, here's the problem. If you minimize your browser down, Matt, make it thinner, it becomes a card stream just like your mobile OS. Because you're mm. your browser, you're seeing stacks of cards laid out. Yep. That is true, right? The conversations, each one could be kind of a card, and you can hit expand all or whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. I never really thought of them as cards because they're, they're, they kind of all run together, right? There's no... In, in, in no. Gmail on Android, there's individual, no. like, here is a card and here is a card, but it doesn't really look like that on the desktop. But on Google Plus, it's... Well, right now, email conversations don't yet. Yeah, I'm Google saying Plus. in Gmail, but yeah, Google Plus is definitely cards. I'm I'm done. I'm sorry, <laughs> Larry. My uh, you guys. No, okay. I went into a Verizon store today. Can I tell you about this real quick? Do tell. How did you do that? So, cause uh, this this phone is so slow, and the Moto X is out, and the HTC One is out, 
And I talked to a buddy, and he works at a store somewhere, at Verizon somewhere, and he was like, here's how you do it. And he told me how I could keep my unlimited plan, make this upgrade happen, and get the new phone I wanted. And you just basically have to go in, upgrade a different line, not your line, and then switch yeah. the numbers back. Pro- no problem. So we go in there. Not even happening. And finally, the lady's like, so what are you exactly trying to do? And I'm like, well, I have this unlimited plan, and we have a bet going on the internet of who can keep theirs the longest, and I don't want to give it up. It's just kind of being stupid like that. And then she finally was like, well, here's what you could do. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I want to keep my unlimited plan. She's like, well, there's no way if you're using your upgrade, you can't. You would have to use a different upgrade on a different line. Anyway, I didn't get one, but my girlfriend got a new S4. And it's interesting watching people that aren't, like, in the tech world shop for phones. Because I'm like, don't get that because it has TouchWiz on it and that's crap. And if you're going to get that, just get the HTC One because it's more of a pure Android experience. They don't really care about that. Do you guys, are you guys aware of this? Like, there's people out there that don't really care about that. I know. I know. You know What they do care about, though, is is they're going to start caring when they try all these Android applications, I mean, all these uh, Samsung applications that don't work very well. Well, yeah, she started turning some of those off, but the the deciding factor, she liked the camera on the S4 over the One and over the Moto X. Over uh, the Moto X? Yeah, that's why I was like, really? Uh, okay. If I had a sad trombones... I know! You, I tried! Freaking I would. I tried. I tried. She seems to like it so far. Yeah, and that's why I was uh, like, I don't even want to. I don't want to see this when it doesn't work because, like, you try to navigate in anything that Samsung TouchWiz, it's so different if you're used to just playing Android. Like, it's it's so different. I I can't even. I I don't know. But, no, but it, most people don't use their phones nearly as much as you guys. No, and that's but, what I'm saying. It was weird to watch. Apps and they take pictures, so the camera's important. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Though. And often crappy pictures, even with a good camera. So and also what I noticed, the, the store associates have no idea. They didn't know about Moto Maker. I was like, so can I get the Moto X with the wood back just being stupid? And she's like, the back doesn't even come off. You can't change the battery. I was like, okay. Are you familiar with Moto Maker? No, what's that? All right, all right, forget it. Uh, I asked her if the Sam, if the S4 has the latest version of Android, which would be 4.3, and she's like, oh, yeah, it does. And I was like, how are the updates? She's like, oh, yeah, their updates will come all the time. It's great. And I'm, like, looking at it, and it's, like, 4.2.2 or 4.2.1 or something. And I'm like, but you figure normal Maybe people, not. like, they don't care, right? I don't care that it's Android 4.1 or 4.2 or 4.3. It doesn't matter. But you would think the associates that are selling these devices would maybe take a minute but i don't know if you're getting paid what they get paid maybe you don't care it's just another job to you like it's so yeah. there's a company in texas that writes their learning materials that they study and have to pass to be a sales associate for that product and the, the scenarios that they're given inside of them i know some of these firsthand uh are crap so they really they have no clue unless the kids really love the phone or the, or the adults that sell it love the phone and know it inside and out right the sales material they're given is the scenarios are just and my guess is they get different com- commissions depending on your Well, our friend was on AOTA, and he was saying that the Microsoft, if he sells a Microsoft phone, he gets way more uh, money back than when he sells an Android or an iOS phone. And I kind of asked her about that. I was like, so you sell many of these Windows phones? She's like, no, not really. I'm like, but, but you get more commission if you do. And she's like, can't really say that. <laughs> I was like, man, you should hustle those phones all day. Right. But, yeah, I don't know. So I, I, I had the Moto X. I was like, you know what? I don't use that much data anyway, but it's the principle of the thing, right? So I I just walked out without it. I was like, you know what? I need to think about this more. So I, I speaking, backed down. Speaking of impulse purchases, I made an impulse purchase recently <laughs> that, that I have ordered. It hasn't arrived yet, which is a Nokia 520 smartphone. And I got it for $85 off of... Uh, Amazon. So I'll I'll report on it uh, as soon as it arrives and I can check it out. What motive did you do? Why'd you do it? Because well, it was eighty no bucks. It, it, uh, the Nokia five twenty is a inexpensive Microsoft 
uh, phone, made, obviously made by Nokia, it, but it's really very full-featured. So, you know, there's been a lot of coverage in the press about the fact that this phone, even if you don't use the phone feature at all, it's really a great mobile media player. Uh, okay. And for $85, you can add a micro SD card to it so that it's got essentially as much storage as you're apt to need. And... Uh, uh, music, uh, it's got a Wi-Fi connection. Uh, it can, uh, it, you can, you can have it uh, connected to a, a LTE uh, uh, cell site for internet connectivity, and it's just a great media player for eighty-five dollars. Well, what is the the engine pushing out this media? I mean, I'm assuming it's not Zoom or something, something like that, but uh, no, it's a it's a Windows Phone. You know the the, the Windows Phone operating system. Oh, so it's, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Where yeah. did you get it, Mike? That sounds really good. That's totally no contract. Just eighty-five bucks for years. It's totally off contract, <clears throat> and it's normally ninety-nine dollars. I've got it on sale on Amazon. So just search Nokia five twenty. I saw some Windows phones in there. The Nokia build quality is really nice. Like, they feel really solid. But when you, I don't know, it's, I can't deal with Windows phones. And she even has, like, a new Windows 8, you know, touchscreen laptop. And I was like, look, this would be just like your laptop. She totally didn't. No way. <laughs> On an Android yeah, phone. Yeah. Eh, they tried, you know. I, I, yeah, we we can play sad trombones for Microsoft, too. This whole episode, we'd be playing sad trombones. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it's really uh, anecdotal, but you talk to people that have Windows laptops with touchscreens, they really like them. They like the idea of a touchscreen laptop. People I've just, I can't, that's just no data, just a few people I've talked to. My, my serious current uh, uh, geek lust is for a Samsung AT9 Plus. Yeah. Which is sort of an ultrabook uh, uh, Windows laptop. I've seen their ultrabooks, but I can't say I've seen one of the touch screens. Yeah, is this is touch screen? this has been out for about four weeks now, so it, I've I've not seen any in the wild. Mm -hmm. But the, but check it, check out the reviews. The reviews are are very positive. You know, I again, everybody is sort of ragging on. Windows 8, and I'm still one of the few people that don't really have a problem with it. If you have a touch interface, it seems like it'd be legitimate. Every time I go to use this use this stuff here on uh, this desktop I'm on and go to swipe to the, to the corners or what have you, I think that would be so much better with my fingertips, you know, to pull that charm menu out or to push an app down. It's definitely much it better on a touch interface, but the problem is yeah. from people that aren't like if it's again you're moving things and people have a hard time relearning where all that stuff is but yeah once you figure it out a few times you're like oh this is fine I just hit the window key twice and there i am yeah. but you posted something in the rundown uh, an article on the verge about dell and some new uh the microsoft surface competitor and some new android tablets these look kind of nice yeah from what i remember is they're not going to be quite as expensive as the surface but still seem to fare fairly nicely other than the screen resolution. Um, lightweight, four keyboards, and again, this is something Dell is trying to push out to the world of enterprise, and I think it would fit. You know, it's not as expensive as those Mac Pros, uh, Mac Airs or whatnot, and, and you get all of your full <laughs> Windows uh, office suite and whatnot, which the, pretty much the whole world runs on, you know, I think this might be all right if they can get enough marketing behind it. This might be fine. Now, their Android tablet seems, um, I think it was on an older version of Android. I think it was on 4.2.0, I think. And um might be a little bit slower in hardware, but it was still priced fairly, fairly right, too. So I could give it a shot. 
And Dell promises that they will upgrade those to 4.3 and 4.4 in due time. <laughs> yeah, in due time. In due time. Yeah. I mean, what, 300 bucks, 500 for the uh, Surface competitor? For the, what's that called? The Dell Venue 11 Pro? Venue or something like that. Yeah, the Venue 11 Pro. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and it's got it. It, like I said, it, it may not have the same screen resolution, but functionality-wise, it's, it's it's right up there with you know 11 11 inch screen, uh, 1080p, USB 3 port, two gigs of RAM. That's not bad. I mean, for you know, yeah. and you know it's going to be light because nice all of the people in business are, are, are traveling and whatnot, and they always want something fairly light. It's again, a pound and a half. Right, and then again, your accountant and CFO is going to be like, okay, we can run with that because it's not costing us two grand to, to load this thing up. <clears throat> and this and is kind of real keyboard. And this is kind of interesting too. It says that you can configure the internals to it. You can trade in the Atom processor for one of Intel's new, uh, the fanless yeah, Core i fives. Yeah, you can add up to eight gigs of memory, two hundred fifty six gig of solid state. That's that's pretty cool. Just being yeah, able to configure a tablet like that. Like, you can't go to Google and be like, I want this in my Nexus 10 or this in my Nexus 7. Like, nobody's really doing that yet. And granted, this isn't... You can't configure the Android one. That's only the, the Surface competitor, right? The Venue? Or can you configure both? No, you can configure both. Well, no, oh, you nice. You can configure the Android. You can't configure it. Right, so, just the Windows one. Yeah. Right. Which makes sense. Why are, Do you need 8 gigs of RAM for... <laughs> <laughs> for Android, sixty-four <laughs> bit Android, go for it. Give me eight gigs of RAM for Android. <laughs> oh man, is, is this available for sale now or is in it no- just the announcement? In November, it. it'll yeah. be out in November, I believe. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Better than what we've seen, right? Definitely a step in the in the right direction for Dell. Did Dell do that thing of going private? Is this the is this the kind of stuff they wanted to do in order to get get rid of the stockholders? So that that deal it? hasn't closed yet. Hasn't closed. And they also have a ten, uh, seven inch one starting at uh, one fifty, like one forty nine ninety nine. So that's pretty cool. It's like fifty bucks less than the Nexus Seven or the new Kindle Fires. Yeah, but again, you you lose screen resolution. Right. Um, right. Some people that they really don't care about. I don't think I think the only people that'll care about that are those who have seen better resolution like if you're on a Nexus 10 or something with equal PPI and then you go back to a screen that's not as like you kind of notice it but other than that I don't think anyone's going to really care. I like how they say we're not sure what our plans are for Windows RT at the moment. <laughs> Does anybody have Windows Nobody RT plans the plan at the moment? They're going to shoot it. Yeah, they should. That was a terrible idea. We're going to fork our OS, and we're going to have just this stuff work on RT, and just this stuff work over here, but they won't talk to each other, because you'll need different... Ad- like, that was the worst idea. Who thought of that? You know, Microsoft should just just market it as, you know, just Windows uh, on the go, or Windows 8, or what have you, and not even say Pro, or not even say RT, or whatever. They're just going to stick it on a mobile device, just call it Windows. Because a lot of consumers probably won't know that. Yeah. But it goes without saying, right? The device that it's on dictates what it is. If this is Windows, but it's on a tablet, guess what? It's mobile. If it's yeah. like that, the, yeah. you don't have to. It's hey, just in case you guys like didn't an, know. Unsaid. Yeah, it's, all, it's sort of like it's an unsaid understanding. You know what? I'm on a tablet, so I can't expect this thing to act like a desktop computer kind of thing. You know. No, but all these, like you guys talking, the people in the Verizon store, they, they, I agree with Matt, they're going to get confused. Again. They're going to get that thing home and want to know why they can't install PowerPoint. Oh, yeah, even more so than, oh, man, yeah. The, the Android confusion was just amazing. But Grant, I have to remember, like, I, I always have a hard time going into those places. I always have to, like, pull myself back and remember, like, look, this is just like if someone was asking you about like a Kinetico water softener. It's like, why don't you know everything about that? You work there. It's like, well, I don't really care about it. It's just a job. So I always have to remind myself that these guys are just working there. 
They're doing their nine to five and they're trying to get the hell out of there. They probably have smart ass nerdy people coming in there all the time thinking they know their hot shit and being like, well, how much RAM do they have? How much? I, I would hate my job too. And I'm sorry that I was that asshole. You know, Matt, getting <laughs> back to you going to Verizon. I, I should have just I done it online. That's a mistake. Yeah, but we wanted them in our hands. We wanted them now, you know, and no, that's look. what I get for being impatient. And okay, look, you, you, you go into Verizon or, or some brick and mortar store to, to feel the device in your hand and fondle it, like we've said. So that is true. That was the shit. first time I had my hands on a Moto X, and, and it, you know, it validated my thought that this is about the same size as the GNX, and it's curved like it, which will yeah. fit in my pocket nicely. Yeah, so then you put it down and you walk away. That's what I should <laughs> That <laughs> yeah. was your mistake. You know? Walk away, dude. Just yeah, walk just away. Put it down, walk away. Go to your Amazon. Go, heck, even go to your Walmart. Go somewhere besides Verizon, besides AT and T. You're gonna get a much better deal than going outside those guys. I'm. I still can't remember the last time I got my phone from an actual Verizon store. Really? See, that's maybe that's just habit here. Like I've always just gone down there and let them just hook it up and deal with it. Screw those guys. And, and you're, you're, you're say that because the price is better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're subsidized or not? I don't understand it's, it's, the price difference. They're all the, it's all the same it's price. It's going to be the same parameters of, of, of data where you're going to have a 2, two gig tier, 4 gig, or what have you. All of that's going to be the same. But the pricing of the phone is going to always be different. Instead of a 199 price for it, it might be 100 bucks. It might be 100 bucks. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. Dollar. Heck, this was a buck. Well, yeah. You know. With a new line to your activation, of course. Yeah, uh, you know, with my upgrade, it was a, yeah. I got it for a buck. That's fine. But what they're charging for the service, they could pay you 100 bucks to take it. Do you should, think, man. right? <laughs> you should. So much. Oh, well, what do you do, right? They're the only carrier here. I went, I was checking out AT&T stuff, and there's still no, like, LTE equal for AT&T. It's all like Edge 3G stuff, so whatever. Whatever. Fine. Yeah, but there's only two users hitting that tower in my friends. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and when I'm when I'm next to that That's tower... That's screaming fast. <laughs> it's so fast. Gee, Montana got a second user? <laughs> Cut my bandwidth in half. I was mad. Yeah. <laughs> in other news, Kelsey now has a phone we can play Ingress on, which is cool. Ooh, that's right. I should say, you know, they they changed the Ingress tutorial now. Instead of being like, "Here's a portal for you to figure out stuff," they're like, "Go find a portal." <laughs> in the tutorial, yeah, I was like, "Well, I guess you're gonna have to drive ten miles to go find one." <laughs> uh, we should mention this. Richard Hay just hit me up on uh, Google Chat, G Chat, Hangouts, whatever you guys uh, call it now. And he says, did you guys see the article about the LavaBit owner providing the SSH keys to the feds as demanded by a federal warrant so they could monitor all LavaBit users to spy on just Snowden? Um, he says the warrant came with a $5,000 a day noncompliance penalty. And the deal is uh, he, de- he uh, provided the demanded keys on a massive document in four-point font. <laughs> I do remember hearing something about LavaBit being out of compliance, um, but I didn't know they ended up, you know, giving in. Is that what Richard was saying? Yeah, here's the, there's the link. Uh, let's see. Uh, it says, according to the New York Times, the story begins with the business card of an FBI agent left on his doorstep almost immediately after the NSA leaks began to roll out. Uh, When Mr. Levison called the FBI agent who had left the business card, the agent seemed interested in knowing or in learning how LavaBit worked and what tools would be necessary to eavesdrop on an encrypted email account. So let's say, hypothetically, you guys had a user, and let's say we wanted to know what they were emailing back. Hypothetically, you guys have the keys to that, right? And so here's your non-hypothetical serve. They served him with papers, and then, uh, yeah. Says the FBI, turns out, was interested in collecting as much as possible on a single user of his service, 
Uh, that person, without a doubt, is Edward Snowden, although his name has been redacted from all the court documents released today. Uh, and this was on, yeah, earlier today. So it says the FBI's uh, demands only escalated as Levison began to fight the orders. Uh, that order eventually prompted Levison to shutter his decade-old company in the form of a July search warrant. The warrant was itself the result of a series of proceedings in which LavaBit was ordered to hand over and decrypt the metadata of Snowden's account, even though the key to do so was known only by Snowden himself. Good old perfect forward secrecy there. Uh, Snowden, as you might have expected, paid extra to obtain an extra secure email account, meaning that not even LavaBit could access his communications. Uh, meeting resistance, the court threatened to hold Leviston in contempt. Then the government asked for everything. All information necessary to decrypt communications sent to or from the LavaBit email account, redacted, uh, including encryption keys and SSL keys. That information would give the government access to all of the company's 400,000 users, all for the metadata of one single user. So, after unsuccessfully fighting that request in court, Levison complied, but not in a way that would make it easy for the government to use the information. He sent them, the government, a printed out version of the encryption keys in a four-point font. He took care to choose a font that was nearly impossible to scan also. It looks like Hebrew or something. It does, right? It looks like my old handwriting. Or Yeah. It's freaking awesome. In other words, the FBI would have to manually type in each numeral from the 2,560 character document by hand. Uh, that prompted the government to demand an electronic copy of the keys. Uh, because that order came with a $5,000 a day fine for noncompliance, Levison did it and then simultaneously shuttered his site. So that's kind of interesting. I didn't know how like all that happened. So uh, thank you, Richard, for that update on LavaBit. Did any of you guys use LavaBit ever? Negative. Me neither. No. Nope. No? Okay. So we're, we're all still kind of safe. <laughs> what do you all make of this... Uh bust of the silk road yeah well this happened a while ago well not a bust of the whole thing but somebody one of the heads of it got popped a quite a while ago like i want to say it was like over i want to say it was over a year ago when that first happened but then today they're they took down like the guy behind the whole thing not just some other part of it so ross william ulbrecht also known as, uh, what was it? He had a good name. The Dread Pirate, Pirate Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> From the Princess Bride. <laughs> Have a good sleep. I'll kill you in the morrow. You guys remember that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure as the morning came, he never did kill him. And yeah, Good story. Um, is, are things at risk with, like, there was, like, people were buying and selling, you know. Like, everything? Everything. Are those people are, are are they now in danger of getting arrested? I would say yes and no, depending on what they were into, and depending on like how what percentage of that was in this you know millions and millions of dollars of transactions. If you bought weed on there a couple times, let's say, I wouldn't say you you have anything to worry about. If you were selling lots of weed on there and made you know thousands of dollars, I would say that might be on their radar. I would say the more dark things are probably more on their radar than like people buying I mean, weed or. Do they now have the ability to identify everybody that got something mailed to? I don't know how. They bought something on that service and, and got it mailed to. Maybe it depends what. Long. It depends what the feds got, right? If the feds got the keys to the database or the database itself, and the database wasn't encrypted or salted or hashed or whatever, then yeah, I'm sure they have all that, but. If they took good care to, you know, really keep that stuff, or if they were smart and didn't keep those records, then, you know. Uh, they they got quite a bit, though. They got a haul. I mean, in Bitcoins, too, 26,000 Bitcoins the feds seized. Uh, which, isn't the federal government shut down? What the hell are they... Is this... <laughs> Law enforcement is not shut down. Oh, right, okay. Uh, about three point six million dollars, uh, depending on what the exchange rates are. But yeah, they can use those bitcoins now to buy drugs. And well, and that's what people buy the drugs from. They can impersonate uh, drug dealers. Right? 
would you just take those cipher blockchains out of circulation? Like, okay, there's now 26,000 less Bitcoins than there were ever, so... I don't know. It's said that uh, 600,000 Bitcoins changed hands on the site, which at current exchange rate translates to about 1.2 Instagrams. It's a lot of money. In addition to narcotics, Silk Road listed fake driver's licenses, counterfeit currency, hacking services, and much, much more. And I think what got him was they were trying to, like, have someone killed. Okay, maybe... Maybe if you're selling drugs, you should have someone killed on a different site, not on the same site you're selling the drugs on. Just a, you know, the more you know, right? Just doesn't seem like good like business a, practice. Sounds like a pretty evil thing. Yeah, yeah I guess. I mean, the killing people part, yeah. But who knows? The guy could have been oh, an asshole. Well, yeah, I mean, is, is Purdue Pharma nasty for selling it to people? in the guise of prescription painkillers? Where do yeah. you draw the line? It's the same Sorry. shit. Yeah, I'm slippers to float. People could say Purdue got way more people hooked on it than the CIA did back in the 70s. I don't even know. This, they were selling heroin? Purdue Pharma is the maker of OxyContin, one of the most Oxycontin. highly addictive, which is basically heroin when it processes. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Are they okay, but this guy's bad? Like, who who, who says what, you know? Uh, anyway. You could, if your back hurts. I think I go out on a limb here and, and say if you're selling heroin to unknown folks by... Via by the internet? the mail. <laughs> By the internet. Yeah. This is, this is definitely shady. This At is least the OxyContin guys, they had to have a prescription from somewhere. You know, At one time, out. right? So then it's, the, then it's the doctor that's the bad person in that whole yeah. thing. Sure. Um, but yeah, they say, however, the crack in anonymity could turn out to be a positive thing for Bitcoin here in the story, uh, particularly among those who want to shed its reputation as the currency of choice for CD online activities. Uh, they said, quote, this could be a way to say that Bitcoin is clean, or it could dirty its reputation as a currency that just exists to do illegal, nasty stuff. So, it's all just technology. Technology is neither good nor evil. It's how it's used, right? I mean, you can't, I guess you could code in like an evil routine to your program that blue screens at every time it wants to update, like Microsoft. But, you know, I don't think they were evil. So, but yeah, pretty interesting. I don't know. I guess if you're buying drugs on the internet, like you should kind of expect that anyway, right? I don't know. I don't buy drugs on the internet, so I couldn't tell you. Uh, Ant, you had a story in here about the French police, speaking of police, uh, moving to Linux workstations. What were they using prior? Windows 3.0? What? <laughs> no, they were all XP machines. Ah, oh, but as we know, XP yeah. is not going to get updated pretty soon. No, it's not going to get updated, but for obvious reasons, it's cheap, you know, um, support-wise. But uh, this police force has decided to to go with with the open source Linux and save about forty percent of the total cost ownership and. You know, deploying that over several hundred workstations, that's a lot of money being saved, you know. Um, I don't see anything wrong with it because I'm not quite sure exactly what is that, what is actually being computed in a police force on a day-to-day basis. You know, I, they probably don't need anything super-duper powerful, hence they were running Windows XP at one time. Um, but... In the long run, I'd like to see later on down the road what happens to the users. Well, you know, if you were to go back a month later and interview the users using this thing, what are their reactions going to be? Oh my God, this thing is crap, or oh, this is so much nicer, or boots faster, or what have you. Curious. I mean, the Linux, not the Linux, the admin, the network admin, or, or workstation admins, or whatever, they're probably going to be just fine. You know, less problems to deal with, less spyware crap. Now we're all that stuff. 
So do you think, is this because XP's not getting updated, or because word got out that, like, yo, the U.S. cannot be trusted, XP is made by Microsoft, U.S. company, has backdoors in it, we're getting spied on by the U.S. and the NSA? This isn't the first big government-mandated uh, Linux purchase. Well, no, but the timing is a bit interesting. Yeah. I still think, bottom line, is cost. Yeah, I would think so, Bottom line, it is... You know, and from what you were saying, I'll bet most of the users use Microsoft Office, so they're going to have to switch to OpenOffice. Is that a pretty smooth transition? Um, I think LibreOffice is a little more a little more um, closer to to Microsoft, but either way, it, it's just, again, how, how, how robust does it have to be for police force? I'm not trying to sound disparaging or anything, but I just can't think of them needing access databases and, and you know, super duper spreadsheets. Yeah. Yeah, my guess is it's the function. There's two issues the functionality and any changes in like document uh, format. But yeah. if they're doing just run of the mill stuff, I'm sure that that's all like, it's all there. You know, and the next question why not GDocs? There you go. Then they know I get Chromebooks next. <laughs> yeah. They said they deployed 37,000 Ubuntu Linux desktops, and by summer 2014, all 72,000 PCs that they currently have are will be switched over, or are expected to be switched over, to the Ubuntu. Good choice for them? You maybe went FreeBSD or something a little, a little slicker? You need the, you need the Windows. It depends minute. what they're doing. Right. That's cool. Before, but Chromebooks might make sense for a lot of us. You know, the I, I question... They'd be easier to administer, right? Like to, <laughs> oh, you got a virus? Oh, wait, no, you didn't, because it's a Chromebook, right? You know, the the, the pushback I'm hearing, and I, I wonder if any of you are hearing this too. The the, the typical office worker, when given uh, Google Docs or Google Sheets finds it really a frustrating and difficult environment to work in because they're probably because they're so used to Word and Excel. Mm-hmm. And, and so most what I'm gathering is a large number of those conversions to Google Docs have not have not gone very well. Well my are those folks power users? Um no. I'm a geeky no. technie guy and and I use Word and Excel throughout the day or what have you, but I see no issue jumping into Google Docs and doing the rundown notes or jumping into Google Docs and doing a spreadsheet to to keep up with my workouts and stuff like that. But I'm not a power user. Right. We're doing simple things. Pivot charts and stuff like that. I can see that. Yeah, but I could see. I I think what I'm, I'm hearing about is like the, the admin that's sitting there and is used to being able to enter a document, queue up a um, maybe queue up an address on an envelope and print the document in envelope. And you know, so that's not a power user, but yeah, that person okay. knows one function of Word really, really well. Yeah, mail merge, and what they call it. Yeah, yeah. Something else I don't use, but no, that's still pretty common. Yeah, but if somebody or being able to do two columns of Word, yeah, yeah, or that, and, and so you know, you get you're not a power user, but you use one or two features and you use them all day long. Yeah, and suddenly you don't have those features anymore. Yeah. I see that, and that would be my fear also with a conversion to uh, Linux. You know, even, even stuff like typing letters and bringing in sort of canned letterhead and stuff like that. I bet there are special features that you know, people are just used to. They got macros built. They got macros oh, built, yeah. or they're, they're used to being able to embed a graphic, or, you know, of course you can do that with Google Ball. So it's, and I'm sitting here asking myself, who the hell sends letters anymore? Yeah. Can you do an embedded like embedded spreadsheet in the in a Google Doc and 
everything. It's. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. I can try. I've never tried it because all I ever do with Google Docs is just—it's almost like a text edit. Well, speaking of try it. Spe- fact, I do most of my writing in, in text pad. That's the honest truth. In Notepad? Well, text pad, it's sort of uh, a little bit better than Notepad. Like WordPad? I've been using it for 15 years. Or so. Is it WordPad? No, it's, it's called like WordPad. It's called it? text pad. No, it's yeah. not like it doesn't do anything. It's similar to Notepad plus plus, Matt. I was just, that was my next. Is it like that? Okay, makes sense. Uh, so speaking of Google, we always see articles like this come out, and I just feel like maybe it's kind of our duty to like say that no, Google's really not wiretapping you when articles come out, and they're like Google is accused of wiretapping in Gmail scans, and there will be a lawsuit. Like it's not people doing it unless there's something different that I'm not catching here. It's just like, it's Gmail. That's how it works. That's how it does spam stuff, and that's how it gives you ads. It's not a person going, oh, hey, this guy just, this guy's having a hard time with his erection. We better serve him an ad uh, that, that is for his, e-. like, it's not, it's an algorithm. Is that wiretapping? I'm sorry, that was the first, <laughs> like, I was like, think of spam. That doesn't have to do with your, anyway. So, yeah, this says the accusations made over several years in various lawsuits that have been merged into two separate cases ask whether Google went too far in collecting user data in Gmail and Street View. Uh, two federal judges have ruled over Google's protests that both cases can move forward. Uh, the wiretapping rulings are the latest example of judges and regulators prodding Google over privacy violations. The company is on the defensive, struggling to convince overseers and its users that it protects consumer data, while arguing that the law is stuck in the past and has failed to keep up with new technologies. Uh, Alan Butler, a lawyer at the Electronic Privacy Information Center, he says it's been a bad month for Google. What's at stake is a core digital privacy issue for consumers right now, which is the extent to which their digital communications are protected from use by third parties. So, uh, it says, for the most part, Google has managed to avoid major privacy penalties. The Gmail case could have broad effects, though, because nearly half a billion people worldwide use Gmail. Uh, and because if it is as expected, certified as class action, the fines could be enormous. Not that any of us will see any of that, but, you know. And it says also, at the same time, the case could have long-term consequences for all email services like Yahoo, Microsoft. Uh, and for the issue of how confidential our online data is. is Do you assume that your email is any kind of confidential, or do you assume it's like a postcard? I've always gone postcard, personally. Yeah, I, I, I'd have no, no reason to think it's secured and private anymore. Unless um, you encrypt it yourself. Yeah, right. Right. Um, even down to putting in a password. That's about as about as secure as I think it is, and that's just to keep you know somebody out of the phone, keep somebody out of the actual session here. Well, that's this, not just your Gmail share. Yeah, you know what it, I'm exactly. Beyond that, there's no security, and that's not even just your Gmail password anymore. Like that's the keys to your whole Google life. Yeah, somebody gets yeah. that, having them read your mail is probably the least of your worries at that point. I do think, though, there's a whole lot more public uh, tension now on privacy and security. The the Edward Snowden revelations, all the coverage of that in the press, uh, and also uh, Europe, particularly Germany, has been out in front on uh, raising security concerns about Google in particular, but other internet services too. But Mike, if that's the case, why are we not class action suing the government? They're the ones doing the wiretapping. If anything, I would be nervous that because Gmail is saving all of this stuff for its algorithms to go through, that then the NSA can get it. That's what I would be worried. I'm not worried about Google getting it. I'm worried about the government getting it I'm, now. I'm not I'm I'm agreeing with you, man. I'm not saying this is right. I'm just I'm just saying I think this is what's happening with the public. Right. Got, people like us have realized for a long time that you put it out on the internet and right. you know, good good luck if you think it's going to remain private. But uh, I think 
most people are only now sort of coming to that realization and, and also coming to the realization that uh, Google's got all of these Python scripts uh, sifting through everything we're doing. And I don't object to that. I buy into that. I buy into that, and I'm willing to accept that because Google gives me great service, and I pay diddly squat for it. That's true, and for that great service, we give them access to all of the stuff that we put on that service. Yeah, and that that deal I buy into, but I think it's been sort of not understood by most users. Right. And I think it depends on the company, right? Like we give Facebook, I feel like Facebook has more information on me than Google does, but Google gives me more useful tools to analyze that information than Facebook does. Facebook's basically just there to, you know, here, we're doing another show or here's something I thought of, or here, I hate this or whatever. Like Google kind of powers everything. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. But again, we've been using it since inception with that in mind a lot of people have been like wait you mean everything i posted privately on facebook wasn't really private and then there's the mad dash scramble to delete accounts and good luck doing that ever you'll never never you don't quit facebook this is it's partial and anecdotal but if i talk to students that i see they don't give a crap about it right and i think the younger generations really they don't care if Google sends them ads, they don't care if the NSA reads their email. They just don't care. Okay, people. I think people. difference. What I, I app? Larry, are your students traditional age, or are they? Well, <laughs> or are they your I, age, I, I have, Larry? I'm teaching two sections, two classes. One is day kids, and one is older people. Yeah, and you see any difference uh, uh, in terms of concerns about privacy between yeah. based on age? Yeah, it's this. I mean, it's a totally small, small sample, so I, you can't take it. But none of them care about. This just isn't anything they care about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They care way more about everything else in the world. Just about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think most of us, uh, the, 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 this group on the, the podcast would feel the same way. I don't care about it. Me either. I can't argue with them. I don't try to get them riled up. I just ask them. Or you ask them something like, would you pay a dollar a month for Google searches? No. You know, or maybe five. You know, some would maybe pay up, but a few would pay up as much as five bucks a month if it weren't, uh, if it weren't advertising supported. But they're totally happy to have all this stuff advertised. Gosh, that's a, that is sort of a scary thought, a, a, a world without Google search. I must use Google search a dozen times a day. Without even thinking about it. Well, yeah, exactly. If if I had to go back to a life without Google search, I don't know. That, Would that'd there be, be other easy. search engines and just no Google or no search engines? No, search, period. I'm, I'm asking more generic. Ah, yeah, maybe. right. If I had to go back, I probably wouldn't have a degree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> So I definitely I have a lot Google more free time. Google. Yeah, that's true. So, and it's so important that if, if they if they pass a law against mining it for advertising, then the government has to provide it as a service. It's it's too much part of our economic and social infrastructure now to let it go. Yeah. Going back to the the spreadsheet thing, uh, and you tried to paste a little. Excel spreadsheet love into our uh, Google Doc or what? What were you trying there? And it did not yeah, work. I was just, yeah, I just tried to paste one. Um, I tried it with a regular XLS file um, from Microsoft, and then I also tried the Google Doc version of the spreadsheet. Yeah, and the, the the Microsoft one, when you go to try to paste it, it, it there's really no option. It copies it as an image. It allows you to just paste the image of the spreadsheet kind of thing, just like any other picture, or you can put an embed code in there, just like you do for a web page. Yeah. And then the actual Google spreadsheet, it'll let you paste it in there, but the formatting is all jacked up. Yeah. So if you look at the bottom of our rundown, I'll copy and paste a little bit of a like an old expense report, and it's, it's a little. 
Kunji. <laughs> you probably yeah, need to like make a table and then copy into the rows and into the columns, and it's all clued you do it that yeah, way. Yeah, that's a little asinine, too. Screw that. <laughs> all right. And yeah, I can insert a table and make it 4 by 5 or 5 by 5 or what have you, but... So, all right, hey, so now let's this, try it this, that way. This table actually showed up pretty well. Oh, I guess that's a, a image, isn't it? You've done the that as an image. The image. Yeah, yeah. Down, there you go. You know, that was that was from the actual Google version of Excel. Well, and granted, we're... The table just appeared on my... And we're using a doc, not a spreadsheet anyway. So, I mean, that's not too bad. That's for... what he's trying to well, do. Well, no, no, but that's, that was the question. You get yeah. people to embed those things into docs all the time. I see it in, oh, I see. in documents and emails all the time. And then there's another level is embedded that have to be a live embed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that doesn't happen. Not going to happen. So that would be a womp womp. Will they let you do it using a Google spreadsheet? That is a Google spreadsheet that is that's showing Google up spreadsheet. right now. Oh, okay. So you can't live in. Okay. I see. All right. Well, is there anything else we really wanted to talk about? I, I thought this was kind of interesting. Amazon's hiring 70,000 employees in quarter four, probably to, for that Mayday button. For Mayday. Dude, where are they getting 70,000 employees from if we don't have any jobs in this country? Now, fourth, fourth quarter, guys, this is Christmas holiday shipping. <laughs> well, so it's temporary. I mean, it's not. Yeah. 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 It's definitely seasonal, but still, that's, that's insane. 70,000 gigs, man. Well, you know, Amazon does like a substantial percentage of of the country's total retail now. Yeah, true. Those bastards. Do you think any of them will stay on for the Mayday? Because they got to be staffing that too, right? The Mayday button for their new tablets that Bezos. Yeah, uh, it's going to be twenty four seven. Yeah. What's this Mayday? Yeah. So the idea with the it's the new Kindle Fires, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There will be a button. If you have any kind of problem, you hit that Mayday button, and 24-7, 365, a human being will video chat with you and have the option to take control of your machine and fix things for you or whatever. And uh, it was you talked about... employees, and I thought about May 1st, you know, Mayday. Oh, yeah, no. Like, Mayday help, we're going down. As in SOS. And I've heard this uh, echoed on other shows, but isn't the main problem most people have with their tablets is getting them connected in the first place, right? So you can't... This isn't very useful if you're not already online. And, I mean, I guess you go to a different computer or something if you have one, but I don't know. It is differentiating because none of the other companies really do really good customer service like that. Google has... A pie script at best. Um, Apple has the Genius Bar, I guess, if you want to go deal with those schlubs. But, you know, a Mayday button right there. We'll see how it works. It's a good idea, but again, most grandparents are going to be like, I don't know my Wi-Fi, you know, stuff like that. Right. No well. And uh, Cisco getting into a partnership with Facebook, which I thought that was just weird. That seemed like two, two companies that like, why are you, you make routers and you make, well, your Facebook. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't get, I don't know. What are they going to do? I mean, didn't they say what the partnership is? Uh, it says under the arrangement, consumers visiting a store, hotel, or other business using the Cisco Facebook service are given the option to check in with Facebook when they use their mobile phone to access the internet. If they choose to do so, the consumer is given access to the business's Wi-Fi network and directed to its Facebook page for the latest on deals and other info. Again, that makes no freaking sense. Right? Like, I'm already here. Get off of my phone. Their service to check in. Does anybody use Facebook to check in? Yeah, I, I used to use Latitude to check in, but that went away. <laughs> so now yeah, I just Facebook's don't. Checking in for a while, haven't they? Who? Maybe they're getting some kind of a free Wi-Fi. But, it just but you're on right your there. phone. Access you access to the hotel's internet. You get that just as soon as they give you your keys. Right. Also. But are you directed? Does a, uh, what are they called? The, do, they, do they come over and they're like, 
sir, if you will, plus or like our Facebook page. Oh, thank you. And then he holds his hand out for a tip. (laughs) See, now the next question, Matt, is what hotels are involved in this? Is this your Ritz Carlton? Did Facebook buy hotels? Facebook should buy Facebook should buy Motel 6. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And in exchange, the business gets brand boost from the shopper checking in on Facebook as well as data gleaned from the user, like their age or gender and location. That helps the business Exactly. That helps the business get a better picture of its customers like literally, here is the picture of your customer (laughs) as they come through the door. Uh, and in some cases allows them to deliver targeted advertisements while the shopper is on site. So what does Cisco have? Cisco said that's what they're they're doing. I don't know. Because they're going to use the Cisco routers because they want that? I don't know. Cisco said a number of retailers, hotels, restaurants, and other public gathering spots have already been testing the service. Retailers and other businesses have been trying for some time to figure out how to use shoppers' reliance on their mobile phones to their advantage. I see what it is. And shares, if you're following, shares of Cisco increased $0.08 to close at $23.32. Meanwhile, Facebook fell $0.14 to close at $50.28. Well, like the Cisco shareholders are not as smart. Yeah, right? (laughs) As I thought they were. (laughs) They're like, what, do we need more route? No? Okay, then sell. Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's it. Pizza's almost ready, so I got to eat. Sue. Aunt Pruitt, you got anything you want to plug before we wrap this thing up? Uh, other than the smartphone photographers, um, you can check out my personal site, AuntPruitt.com. I've had a few posts on there recently and got some stuff in the pipe for NewDomain.com. Nice. Chris Miller's chair. Thank you for uh, joining us for an episode. Always good to have Chris. It's always good to have Chris Miller's chair and his microphone joining us. So uh, thank you for that, Chris Miller. Spike Studios. His chair says, exactly. Uh, Larry Press, you have a blog. It's on the internet. We'll link to it. Mike Rothman, you've been gone for a while. What's going on? You've been writing anything or you just been... I have been underwater. No, I have not been riding. I tweet occasionally. At that works. Um, that works for me. And you can find me on Google Plus, where I also uh, hang out. Hang out on Wednesdays for yeah, it's hell yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for watching. Uh, the reruns, show notes, always up on yetanothertechshow.com and our YouTube tech playlist, where you can find Attack the Androids, Yats, and Point and Shoot. So check that out. Uh, subscribe in iTunes and all that stuff. Like us on Facebook if you do that. Follow us on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Have Good a night. night, you all. Tech Show. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.